Yo, good evening, good morning, good afternoon. I don't know what time it is where you're listening to this podcast, but this is what I do know. It's about to get real. Today on the podcast, I'm going to be sharing a episode titled The Day That Saved My Life. And uh, I really mean that, The Day That Saved My Life. I'm excited to share this with you. But before I do, I want to give a huge shout out to our Season 3 podcast sponsor. That is our friends over at Elevated Faith. This podcast could not happen without them. If you haven't heard of Elevated Faith, you need to go check them out. They make incredible apparel, everything from t-shirts, hoodies, bracelets, necklaces, so much more. It's fashion with a message. They believe in Jesus. They are run by Jesus followers, and they're all about getting the message of Jesus out in creative ways. You need to go check them out. You can use my discount code NOAA20 for a discount at checkout. Go check them out. Seriously, incredible people, incredible company, making a huge difference around the world. Uh, One more thing. I know I talk about this every podcast, but my book came out just a couple months ago. It is called Viral Jesus. You can check it out on Amazon.com by searching Viral Jesus by Noah Heron. Go give it a look. Without further ado, we're going to jump into my conversation with myself, uh, my monologue. I don't know what you want to call it. Uh, titled, The Day That Saved My Life. Based off the statistics that I get to see from Spotify and iTunes, most of you listening to this podcast live in America, right? We, we live in America, and in America, the American dream is live and well. Everyone's chasing it, right? What's the American dream? It's that you can do anything, you can achieve anything if you just work hard enough, if you just work long enough. If you just accomplish enough, you can have your desires. And all around us, it's easy to see people chasing the American dream. Even in the year of a pandemic, right, people are still chasing it. People are working harder, longer, right, thinking of more things to do when they're supposed to not be at work. Uh, You can ask my wife. I am wired to be like this. I work hard. I work long, and I like it. Here's the problem with that. There is a point of no return when you talk about work, speed of life, the way that we go through our regularly scheduled program. There is a point that you hit where it does not just affect your sleep. It does not just affect maybe having to skip out on a few things here or there. There's a point that you hit where you miss out on the life that Jesus promises. You miss out spiritually. It affects you. You become numb. You become apathetic. And all of a sudden you look up and you go, man, I haven't felt God in a really long time. I hit that point. Uh, About two years ago now, I was asked to go on a trip to Israel. And of course I said, yes, this has always been on my bucket list. And I went to Israel for 10 days. It was one of the most incredible experiences of my life. But let me give you a little bit of context to this trip I took to Israel. The months leading up to this trip, I worked harder than I'd ever worked in my entire life. I was traveling two, three times a week preaching the gospel, which I loved. So I kind of made that the excuse. Like, I love to do this. I'm getting to do this. This is an amazing opportunity to even do this. And the gospel's being preached. Like, God wants this. Like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing, right? So I'm doing that. At the same time, I'm leading a young adult ministry of several hundred young adults in Cleveland, Tennessee. And, you know, that's taking up 
all the rest of my time. And in between that, I'm trying to plan a conference that is streamed and watched globally around the world. I'm, I've got all these different things going on that are not just taking up a little bit of time. They're taking up a lot of time for months. And it finally gets to this time to go to Israel. And I'm not going to lie to you. The day before the trip, you would think I would have been so pumped. Like, I'm so excited to leave the country. This is going to be amazing. I'm going to get to see where Jesus walked. And the day before the trip, I'd be lying if I didn't say that I was kind of dreading it. I was thinking about all the things that I wasn't going to be able to work on, all the things I wasn't going to be able to do, all the things I was going to have to catch up on while I was gone. To make matters worse, we land in Israel. And immediately, I find out that the Wi-Fi on our bus is not working. It's not working. And I'm a cheapskate. And so I didn't want to pay for the plan, the uh, international plan, where I could get data all over Israel because it was going to be you know, several hundred dollars for me to do that. I didn't want to do that. So basically, I found out when I got to Israel that for the next 10 days, the only time I was going to even be able to use my phone was when we were at the hotel late at night. Right, This was horrible for me. I, I was immediately thinking of all the things that were going to crash and burn in my head, of course, I'm being a little dramatic, but all the things that I wasn't going be to be able to work on or help with or post or whatever. And it played a number on me the first couple of days. A couple of days into the trip, I realized just how depleted my soul had been. I realized how fast of a pace I was living. I realized that there was no margin in my life to even hear God. There was no margin in my mental life. Like I couldn't even think straight. Everything was a to-do list. Everything was a, I got to do this to accomplish this. I got to, I got to make it, make it to this meeting. I got to create this. I got to make sure that we've got these people reached out to. It's just one thing after the other. Now that trip really saved my life. Because you can live your life like that for so long that you don't even realize what's happening to your soul. You can live your life like that for so long, you don't even realize the way it affects every single area of your life. Maybe you're not at that point. Maybe you didn't reach the point where you were spiritually dry. Maybe you didn't reach the point where you were kind of depressed to be without your phone for a few days. Maybe you haven't reached the point where you feel like life is moving at such a fast pace that you can't even breathe. But maybe if you're honest, you're listening to this and you feel like you're treading water. You, you feel like there's never enough time in the day. You feel like you're always a little bit behind. You feel like you're always struggling to just keep your head above water. Jesus, one of the most famous things he ever said in the Bible was, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, most of us as followers of Jesus, we would say, I absolutely believe that Jesus is the truth. That's the easy one. We say, I absolutely want the life that Jesus promises us in his word, right? I want the peace. I want the hope. I want the joy. I want all those things. I want that life. But the part of that sentence that we really struggle with, that I really struggle with, is the way. How many of us actually believe that we are living the physical way, the logistical way, the pace of life that Jesus lived. I, I don't know if you notice this, but all throughout the Bible, the disciples, they were 
constantly frustrated at the pace that Jesus lived his life. He was never going fast enough for them. He was never uh, healing enough people for them. There was always another town that they were trying to hurry him off to. He lived at a deliberately slow pace. This is what I've learned in my 20, now 26 years of life. It's that being tired rarely leads to being like God. I'm going to say that one more time. Being tired rarely leads to being like God. If you find yourself tired a lot, if you find, I'm not just talking about physical, uh, you know, exhaustion. I'm talking about mentally tired. I'm talking about spiritually tired. If you find yourself being tired, it rarely leads to being like God. John Tyson, uh, an author, he wrote the book, Beautiful Resistance. I'd highly recommend it. He said this, the problem with the American dream, the problem with the speed that we live in, the problem is that we love it. We have an obsession with doing more in less time and it's gone too far. It's turned into its own addiction, its own idol. Now, you can hear that and you can go, ah, man, you know, I don't know if I believe that. Maybe for some people, but not for me. I would challenge you to think about and be honest with yourself. When's the last time you had 10 minutes of silence? 10 minutes, 10 minutes of silence, 10 minutes without turning the radio on, 10 minutes without listening to a podcast, 10 minutes without picking up your phone to check Instagram, 10 minutes without being in a rush to get out the door, 10 minutes, not even 10 minutes of reading your Bible, 10 minutes of silence in listening to God speak back. When is the last time that that's happened? I realized when I was in Israel that this did not happen in my life. On our last day in Israel, um, our last full day, it was a Friday, uh, Friday evening, and um, we got to go over to a Jewish family's home for something called Shabbat. And if you aren't familiar with uh, this Jewish custom, it's actually a biblical custom, tradition. Um, another thing that it's called more prominently here in America is something called Sabbath, right? You might remember the word Sabbath from the Ten Commandments, right? Keep the Sabbath holy. In Israel, they practice Sabbath religiously. I mean, literally, like this is something that they do every single week. And we had the honor of going over to this Jewish family's home for Sabbath. Now, Sabbath is something that I always looked at as a suggestion in the Bible, not necessarily something that we absolutely had to do. Now, I know that that might sound bad because it's a Ten Commandment and I'm a pastor, but I was like, man, I just don't know anyone who keeps Sabbath. I don't know anyone who actually does this. This this sounds old school. This sounds obsolete. Like, like this is very Old Testament. You know, this is not this is not 2021, right? Like, there's there's no way people do this. And we get to this Jewish family's home, and they had three kids. They had a a 12 year old son. They had a 10-year-old son, and they had a 7-year-old little girl. And when we walked into their home, it was so clear that these little kids were having the time of their life, that Sabbath was not just something that this family did. It was something that this family looked forward to. It was something that was giving this family life. 
It was crazy. We walked in, the sweet aroma of fish and all of this incredibly uh, beautiful food was on the table. They had wine out. They had every uh, every type of good, delicious looking carb on the table. I mean, it was it was wild. It was this beautiful spread. And they began to share with us what they did on Sabbath, on Shabbat. And it was one of the most meaningful evenings, the most meaningful nights of my entire life. It absolutely saved and changed my life. I want to go into the details now of what Sabbath is because I don't know many people who practice Sabbath. This is something that my wife and I have started doing um, together, and it truly has refueled us in a way that um, nothing else has. And so uh, here is what I'm going to do. For the next just couple minutes, I'm going to explain what Sabbath isn't and what Sabbath is and try my best to convince you to give Sabbath a try this week. Okay, here we go. Here's the first thing you need to know about Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for us, okay? It was made for us. Like, it's easy to think of Sabbath as this rule, like I said earlier, but it's not a rule for us. It's actually a help to us. God made it because he knew that we would need it. Okay, if God rested on the seventh day, you should rest too. But here's the other thing you need to know about Sabbath. Sabbath is not the day that you just pile up all your chores, the things you didn't get done the rest of the week. It's, it's not that day. Sabbath does not mean nap, right? It, it doesn't mean be lazy. That, that's another common misconception of Sabbath. It, it doesn't mean to be lazy. It doesn't mean to nap. It doesn't mean to do all the things that you didn't get to do the rest of the week. It's, it's none of those things. It should be the best day of your week. Sabbath is filling 24 hours of your life with the things that give you the deepest joy and satisfaction. A synonym for the word Sabbath is the word delight. If it delights you, you should do it on Sabbath. If it brings you joy, you should do it on Sabbath. It's about reestablishing your connection with God. John Mark Comer, one of my favorite authors, one of my favorite preachers, um, in his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, that I've now read three times, uh, this is what he said. He said, I run everything I do on the Sabbath through the filter of is this rest or is this worship? He goes on to say that he means the broad sense of the word worship. So what he's trying to say is that if it brings him rest, soul rest, physical rest, mental rest, all of those things, then it's it's good on the Sabbath. And if it worships God, it's also good on the Sabbath, but it's the broad sense. It's anything that recognizes and makes you grateful for the goodness of God. So worship could be a date with your spouse. Worship could be hanging out with friends and playing a game. Worship could be sleeping in. Come on, somebody. Worship could be playing a board game until midnight. Worship could be reading, a walk around the park, sitting outside in the sun and just soaking up the time in God's goodness. It's reading the word. It's It could be so many different things, but it has to be delight. See, we have six days that God gave us to work, six days to make the most of productivity, to, you know, 
shine in work. And work is a good thing. Work is not a bad thing. I think it becomes unhealthy when we look at work as not being healthy. I would highly recommend John Mark Comer's other book, Garden City, that talks really in depth about how work is something we are created to do. We're not trying to make work seem like it's pointless and that we're just looking towards Sabbath only. Like the other days are important too. But if you don't get more excited about Sabbath than any other day of the week, you're not doing Sabbath right. You're not delighting the way that you're, you were made to on Sabbath. Sabbath is the freedom from the need to do or be more. That's what it is. We have six days to get more done, to do more, you know, to become more in the workplace, whatever that looks like. The seventh day, that's freedom. Sabbath is literally making time itself holy. And people who Sabbath, they live all seven days of the week differently than everybody else because they are refueled, they are re-energized, they are refocused. It's taking time to enjoy life, the gift of life. So uh, I encourage you to do it. I encourage you to try it. I I'll give you an example of a typical, um, maybe my ideal Sabbath day. All right. I'm not much of a person to sleep in. My, my wife loves sleeping in. I prefer naps. So our Sabbath normally takes place from late Thursday night until late Friday night. We're in ministry. So a lot of times on, on the weekends, we're traveling and all that stuff. And so we found it harder to Sabbath on Saturday or Sunday. Um, Sunday is normally my busiest work day of the week. So we Sabbath on Fridays. So what's this look like? It looks like having a great meal on Thursday night. It looks like staying up and watching Mandalorian or one of our other favorite shows on Disney Plus or Netflix or whatever. And then I like to wake up early. I like to play golf with my dad or with friends. I, that's, that's one of my favorite things to do. Play golf, be outside. I, I like to do something physical like that. So go play golf in the mornings. Maddie gets to sleep in and then we meet back up. We get a coffee. You know, we, we go for a walk. We take the dog to the park. We stay off our phones. You know, we, we enjoy one another's company. Maybe we go um, shopping because who doesn't like clothes, you know, or maybe we drive around. We both love real estate. We love looking at houses and um, interior design and all that stuff. So maybe we do something like that in the afternoon and then we go on a date night and we go and we spend money out on something good to eat. And maybe we even get a Krispy Kreme donut if the hot sign is on or Maddie stops and gets an ice cream or whatever. Like, like we do the things that we love to do and we do it over and over and over again on the same day. We stack the delight that's in our life on Sabbath. We make sure that throughout the day that we are thinking about the goodness of God. We make time to read God's word. We make time to listen to worship music. And it's a posture of our heart to be reminded of God's goodness on that day. You can't help but be reminded of God's goodness when you're truly Sabbathing the way that you were meant to Sabbath because you have so much to be thankful for. So I want to leave you with this. Try Sabbath. I don't have any money to give you a money-back guarantee. You didn't pay money for this advice in the first place. But I would encourage you, if you're looking for a way to connect with God deeper, if you're looking for a way to refuel every week, to feel spiritually alive, do the thing that leads to 
the way. Jesus Sabbath every single every single week. He Sabbath. It's a command of God's to keep it holy. Do the thing that very few other Christians are doing. Do the thing that will make you live the rest of the week differently. Sabbath.